Ladies and gentlemen, the Hammer Down Show with Jared Jesolitis is Lafayette's number one sports show. Yes, I'm excited! He totally went to Jared. The voice of Lafayette Sports. The cream of the crop! Nobody does it better. Send us your thoughts on the text line at 765-447-4080. Now go do that voodoo that you do so trade deadline going on right now oh my goodness we got a lot to talk about let's go ahead and get started with today's need to know news here's your need to know news all right as we continue to watch the mlb trade deadline the breaking news is justin verlander will head to the astros that's the big name of the day now we'll see if that starts to free up everything else 6 p.m. the trade deadline. So far, the Cubs still silent. Does sound like the White Sox won't be moving Tim Anderson. Sounds like that's dead. Meanwhile, Cubs yesterday... Got Candelario back from the Nats almost six years to the day uh, that they traded him was uh, Detroit, right? In return, Cubs will send back prospects Kevin Made and uh, DJ Hers to the Nationals. Cubs did play baseball last night. Marcus Stroman got lit up in a 6-5 finale. Uh, Stroman, three innings, six hits, six earned, two strikeouts. Swanson with a homer, number 13 on the year. Nico Horner, two for four at the plate. Boy, you needed that game. It's a four-game set. Game two, critical tonight in the race for the Central. Ben Lively takes on Justin Steele. Cubs have won six of Steele's last seven starts. You need it tonight. White Sox are back. It's uh, Jesse Schlotten's taking on Andrew Haney. Uh, Schlotten's has previously made two starts this season with the White Sox. It was his last five appearances have come as a reliever. No more than two innings in any of those outings that he's been in, so do not expect him to... He may eventually be a starter in the rotation, but wouldn't expect too much out of him tonight. Purdue lost commitment from its 2024 recruiting class this morning. Josiah Edmond announced his decommitment uh, from Purdue on its social media pages uh, per goldenblack.com the three-star guy pledged back in June part of that loaded defensive back class which still has sits at seven commits with his departure Edmonds will be the third 2024 recruit to decommit joining Eric Carner who went to A&M and Mason Dorsett the wide receiver who went to Baylor Colts camp news Anthony Richardson is back from uh he had that nasal surgery yesterday. I'm assuming he must have got it over the weekend because I don't think you just like would turn around and after a day and do this. 
But he was back. Deion Jackson took the starting reps at running back as Taylor remained sidelined with the ankle injury, still on the PUP list. They did sign former U Indy running back Torino Plinton. He is the all-time leader at U Indy in yards per carry, which is seven and seven point seven yards per carry. He's the all-time leader in rushing touchdowns, total touchdowns, kickoff return average, 100-yard games, 200-yard games, and the single-game rushing leader at UIndy. On the Bears' side, they're dealing with some injuries. Bears pass rusher Demarcus Walker and linebacker Jack Sanborn each left practice today with apparent injuries. Right guard Nate Davis, uh, running back Rashad Johnson, fullback Kari Blassingame, and uh, tight end Chase Allen. All not present, Matt Eberflus says, uh, I'm not saying anything about injuries because, you know, that's what I do. Not great. Breaking news from our buddy Mike DeFabo out there in Pittsburgh. Corey Trice down at practice, literally just went down here, carted off, working on his right knee. Hopefully, it's not severe. But that that literally happened right as we were going on the air. I don't like to see that at all. Don't like it at all. That hurts. So no word on exactly what it is. It looks like they were looking at right leg. I've seen reports of right knee. I'm getting more more reports here. Right knee or ankle, not putting any weight on it. (sighs) Not the news I needed on my Tuesday, man. I was so hyped for him. So hyped for him. Good luck, Corey, man. Man, that took the wind out of my sails right there. Absolutely takes the wind out of my sails. All right, well, let's see here. We got to get, first off, we got to find ourselves some uh, winning. How did we do yet? It was like a slow day yesterday. Really slow day. I can't even remember what we sat down and, and talked about yesterday. I, I, oh, Angels first five. I remember saying Angels first five. That hit. even, And I got scared, too, because they changed. Uh, they got away from canning. They, they changed pitchers right before uh, that game started. No worse feeling when that happens. But uh, they come through for us there. I think, did I say I like the, uh, we kind of like the under yesterday? I think we talked about Cody Bellinger being good too. But there was that wind blowing in from right field 10 miles an hour. I'm kind of surprised that the total got up as high as it did. 
Because usually when you get those, you know, those double digits, um, it's not a big, it's not a big scoring day at that point. That's all right. We're back. We're gonna have uh, have some good ones for you today. All right. Here's what I like today. Zach Gallen over five and a half strikeouts for Arizona. San Francisco's one of those bottom, uh, one of those bottom tier teams in strikeouts versus right-handed pitching. Ninth worst in the last week. Tenth worst in the last two weeks, and their fourth worst in the month. K rate against right-handed pitchers. Gallen has hit sixty percent uh, of his games this year. One for one against San Francisco. Uh, I'm also a big proponent of him on a uh, in, in this game of a no run first inning. So I, I want to get uh, back in on that. He's got some great numbers when it comes to no run first innings. He's 17 and 4 on the season. 4 and 0 in his last 4. 3 for 3 and 1 against the Giants. There's not too many guys that hot on no run first innings. Spencer Strider's also on the mound tonight. I can't in good conscience take somebody that's already up to nine and a half strikeouts, even though it's a good chance he's going to do that against the Angels. But he is also 17 and four, no run first inning. Seven straight games he has covered that. He is five and zero in home games. Sandy Alcantara is another guy that we like tonight, both on the no run first inning. He's 17 and three on the year. He's one and zero against Philadelphia doing that. But also over five and a half strikeouts for him. He's hitting his last two starts, three of his last five. Philadelphia is a top 10 team in worst K percentage versus right-handed pitching over the last month. They've been that pretty consistently in the last two weeks and week as well. Justin Steele, he's sitting at five and a half here. Cincinnati is not great. I mean, they're in the bottom third in strike rate against left-handed pitching. Steele's hit his uh, this mark three straight home games, four of his last six. I feel like the Cubs really need this one today. And Cincinnati isn't terribly good against left-handers. So like Gallon on the over, Alcantara over. Spencer, like I said, if you... Double digits, I think there's a good chance that he gets there because the Angels are, like, what, sixth worst in the league in right-handed pitching, second worst in the last 30 days. They have a 29% K rate in the last month against right-handed pitching. So uh, he probably gets there tonight, but, like, it just that that's so little room for error once we start talking about double digits as the minimum. It's one thing on a ladder. It's a completely different thing on a minimum. But Schreider has gone nine plus strikeouts uh, in his last seven games. He's hitting 10 of 11 home games. 
Ooh. Magic number for Pablo Lopez tonight at 6+. He's hitting eight of his last nine games. He's hitting his last six away games. Averages seven um, in his last two against St. Louis. So that's another guy to keep an eye on tonight. Tim Anderson, by the way, is getting hot. He's 357 against Haney lifetime, slugging 500. He's hitting 354 right now against left handed pitching. He's got a hit in eight of his last 10 games. And the man who we thought was just done for, we thought he was going to be traded, he was done for, has all of a sudden found himself a little bit of a groove. He finally hit that home run over the weekend, right? Last 10 games, he's hitting 350, four RBI, six runs scored. And most of that has been against divisional opponents, too. It's pretty good. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back. Uh, I'm going to continue my series here that we had uh, with talking uh, with folks at Big Ten Media Days. Kelly from WLFI had a great talk with her. Now, she does a phenomenal job of covering the team as well. Um, and uh, they got a little bit, uh, she, she got some time with uh, each one of these guys yesterday, or not yesterday, but Thursday. So I talked to her a little bit about that. Uh, her interview coming up next. This is the Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer. 1017 The Hammer, 1017TheHammer.com. Uh, still out here at the Big Ten Media Days. Kelly from WLFI is with us here. You've been taking this all in today. We've been talking with a lot. We had a couple of gaggles here, uh, meeting with everybody. Kind of give me the overall vibe that you've experienced here today. Yeah, I love seeing head coach Ryan Walters in his first year, how excited he was. He got on that stage, and the first thing he said was, this is awesome. So it's just kind of cool to see him mingling with the other coaches and the other players and hearing what other national media members are asking, kind of what they're focusing in on compared to us here in Lafayette. So, yeah, it's just cool seeing them, hearing from them, and football season's coming up. So it's it's nice that, you know, this is kind of the, the start of the busyness, the craziness. So we've got camp next week, so we just got to preview stuff and see what they say. It's nice to get to talk about football here because you know, obviously yesterday a lot of people were probably bummed that Northwestern wasn't here with everything they got going on. P.J. Fleck got asked about you know that article uh, that came out yesterday from Front Office Sports. Uh, obviously Harbaugh is getting asked about, hey, how's it to negotiate your own punishment type thing? Um, and, and so I, I don't know, I kind of got the feeling that maybe a little bit under the radar Purdue right now. I agree. I think all of those questions and, and you you never really know what people are going to ask or what's coming out because, you know, college football, the, the landscape's changing every day and, and different things are happening and coming out. But the first question for Ryan Walters was, have you tried the peanut butter burger from Triple X? So I think so I think that I just think that, you know, right now they Purdue, they have they have one vision and their vision is just playing and just just getting to work. And they don't have any of that outside noise yet. Um, about any, uh, you know, losing, losing players or allegations or anything like that. So it's a good headspace to be in if you're Purdue starting the season um, and not having to deal with all that noise if you're a Northwestern or you're a Michiganer. But, um, but yeah, I think right now they just they have one goal in mind and, and there's no outside noise, which is nice. And not very forthcoming with a lot of details, right? We, I mean, you, you don't expect them to talk a lot about injuries, but it was a question. Um, we're talking, you know, 19 transfers. We're, we're trying to implement all this new stuff. And, we, you know, we all kind of poked and prodded a little bit here. But, boy, he really didn't want to give up much, did he? 
No, I ask questions like who are who are Hudson Card's number one and two targets, and and you know who are the the weapons on defense, and who's this, and and it's all very general. It's who are the new faces that that we can expect to make some noise this season. Oh, they're all great. So, and I think also you know he's still getting to know his personnel, and and you know I'm sure camp will determine a lot of things, and we'll see who's getting reps on the field, and and we'll see things like that. But yeah, right now there's still a lot of questions. We're not getting into the nitty gritty just yet, but uh, it's still cool just to to see how excited they are and and i'm sure we'll get some of those answers to those questions in the next week or two i think a lot of people see this on tv you know they, they see the big setup We've got coaches up there big screens and all that uh tons of little screens around here where the students uh and athletes will uh come up here and be able to ask those individual questions but i, I think my favorite part maybe it is for you too is just the little downtimes in between where it's it's not a professional setting where you just kind of you know, just chit-chatting with personnel you're chit-chatting with these players a little bit here too talk a little bit about what that experience is like Definitely. I think it's really cool because everyone's dressed up. They come down to Indianapolis. They get on the stage and, and they're ready and nervous for these questions. And then right when you shut the camera off, me and Sanusi Kane are debating about New York pizza. And it's just you get to see a different side of the players and get to know them actually as human beings. And I know I've heard coaches in the past say sometimes it's better to get to know your players outside of football or outside of whatever sport because then you get to know how they react to situations how they communicate with people and so it's just cool to see and and building those relationships especially i'm only i've only been in west lafayette for a year so seeing familiar faces whether it's media or players or coaches it it's really cool and it makes this big crazy conference and and everything a lot smaller when you have those those small interactions with players and you've been doing such a great job too and like i'll tell you what uh, it's been a whirlwind of a year right so uh, i mean we had a lot of local success at the high school level and then you know of course the basketball team doing as well as did you know, football making it here to the, uh, it's not a normal year you understand that right it is it's crazy because i got so lucky with the success that purdue had it just made covering them so much more fun because you know you, you have a national story in in your very first you know small town job it's supposed to be but you have all eyes on you so it was a great learning experience I was thrown right into the fire but lots of people told me like yeah normally you know this doesn't happen normally there's there's some more ups and downs but uh but I'm excited I think that you know the the future is bright for Purdue there's a lot of energy especially we're talking football today especially around this new football team so uh we'll see we'll see what they can put together this season I'm excited for another busy and fun one (laughs) what's been your favorite part about being down here at Lucas Oil Stadium so far Honestly, I think kind of what we were talking about earlier, just, you know, obviously it's fun doing the interviews and asking the questions, but just being able to to see the players and the coaches off of the screen and how they're interacting with people and telling stories. And, you know, a guy like Hudson Card, he's brand new. So getting to know him and, and uh, I don't know, it's just cool. It's cool seeing media people. I, I interned at a TV station and they were there and they're like, oh my gosh, here you are working. And it's just kind of a full circle moment. Every time I go to these events, I, I look around and I'm like, wow, me in college or high school would kill to be here so it's, it's pretty surreal <laughs> it's nice to take those little beats every now and then remember hey kind of where you came from what you're doing out here and uh, not to take uh, not to take it for granted so now you get ready to take the uh, long trip uh, on back home here in just a little bit so big question here uh, you and Bree probably riding together who controls the radio on the way back and who has to drive I I definitely will get the radio because I don't know I play crowd pleasers I'm not I don't play when I'm we're going to a game it is hype it is upbeat music we're ready to go but this you know will probably be chill vibes I like controlling the vibes but I think I'm gonna make Bree drive because I anchored last night at 11 so I didn't get much sleep. You watch out because you know PJ Fleck on the, it says says uh, the kids aren't going with poison anymore. Can, can you believe this new generation? They don't like to listen to poison in the in the weight room. It's amazing. I thought that was hilarious that he said they. Bl- 
blasted poison every single time they'd go in the weight room. And the team said, yeah, okay, I think we're good with poison. Let's go back to like Drake and Meek Mill and, and our, our speed. But yeah, I can't say I'm, I'm listening to too many uh, throwbacks, but uh, you know, I like the, the classics, Taylor Swift, Justin Bieber. I like some rap in there. Morgan Wallen. The throwback, <laughs> the classics, Justin Bieber. <laughs> God, I'm getting so old. Kelly from uh, WLFI here again. Uh, you're going to see a whole bunch. I mean, we'll run into each other all the time. High school football is right around the corner here. Well, we got like three, four weeks left, and then we're in high school football. Yeah, and I was I was just saying I'm going to be back here in Lucas Oil in two or three weeks because Lafayette Jeff is playing here. So it's going to, right when it starts, it's going to be a busy couple of months, but I can't wait. I'm excited. We started our Camp Frenzy coverage. We're previewing all the schools, so it's crazy. I feel like it just ended, and, and here we are getting ready to get some Get some exciting high school football games started. Welcome to the Thunderdome. That is August all the way through March. Uh, Kelly from uh, WLFI again. Watch the frenzy all fall long. They take care of you, and even into basketball season, it's always a pleasure. Thank you so much. And big thanks to Kelly for taking some time talking with me down there at Big Ten Media Days. It is the Hammer Down Show, 1017 The Hammer, 1017TheHammer.com. Jared Jesselitis. Uh, we continue on a lot of things watch here today. Uh, we know, first off, we know the Arizona Board of Regents is meeting today. We all presume that means they are going to jump to the Big 12. The Pac-12 is still apparently going to present their media options to schools to try to curtail everybody from jumping ship. Uh, but I don't know if that's going to help. These rumors that we talked about yesterday, people declaring that there was going to be um, Florida State Clemson jumping to the Big Ten today. I, they got about another hour or so left to hit the news cycle, and I don't see any news about anybody calling any press conferences, so I'm going to go ahead and assume that was not true. Oh, there's a shocker if you listen to the show yesterday. Yeah, I don't know that anything was supposed to be imminently happening today except for the Arizona thing. Uh, also, our breaking news here today, if you missed it from uh, the top of the show, Corey Trice did go down today at Steelers camp with a right knee injury. I got a lot of text people asking me if that's the same knee that he injured um, back here at Purdue. No, that was a left knee injury. This one is the right. He had to be helped to the cart, no weight on his right leg at all. Um, it's probably a little premature to speculate that it was the knee, uh, but everybody says right leg was being looked at, ankle and knee. It seemed to be a consensus. As you know, I do follow a lot of the Stillers guys. Uh, a lot of people just seem to assume that it was the right knee. So it's definitely something wrong with the right leg. I'm trying to figure out if it was a non-contact or you know what happened. I'm assuming it was some kind of non-contact because nobody has mentioned the banging into anything or anybody. So we'll keep uh, we'll keep an eye out on that. We also continue to keep an eye out on the MLB trade deadline. We've got another two and a half hours left. Bruce Levine from the Score has got some scoops here. It sounds like the Cubs. We knew the Cubs were going to look for a left-handed arm for the bullpen. They just they don't have uh, what are they they they've Anthony Kay in there, Drew Smiley, and and that's about it. You know Smiley's. Back and forth here. So they definitely needed uh, a left-handed arm for the bullpen. And it sounds like that they have uh, s- they, they focused here with the Mets' uh, Brooks Raley. Um, he is solid. 2.37 ERA, 43 strikeouts, um, and three saves. The whip's a 1.24. 
Uh, right-handed batters only hitting 162 against him this year. He's only given up three homers. I'm trying to look for the full. Where's my full line here? We were literally just getting this here for the Mets. Here we go. 46 games, 38 innings pitched. His K per nine is 10.18. But his walks, oh, four point, almost four and a quarter walks per nine. Home run late rate's pretty low, 0.71 per nine. That's not bad. Has a fastball that's in the low 90s. Swing K rate's 11 and a half. Eh. We'll see what gets given up for him. It's not like they gave up a bunch for Candelario. Just a couple of prospects that were top 20 guys, but not top 10 guys. Not that you should have given them up for Candelario, but if they can make that deal, that would be something that the Cubs really, really need. I know it's not the big splash I think that you'd want, especially now you decide you're not moving Bellinger. But this is kind of a weird market. Things dried up. If Shohei decided they decided they're not moving him. Now the White Sox apparently, Cor Levine, they are open to trade everybody except for Luis Robert. I thought Cease was off the market, but apparently they're open to moving Cease. According to him, it would just have to be a really good package. But he is still apparently out there. I would think if anybody wanted to make a run, it would it would basically be down to Baltimore at this point. Now, Baltimore was supposed to be in on Verlander. They didn't get him. I would argue that Cease puts you in a better position. You don't have to worry about uh, the, the the money that comes with Verlander, although I think the Mets, I haven't read all the details. I'm sure the Mets are eating a little bit of that salary. But, you know, Verlander has that 2025 player option, and that's ex- uh, that's money. It's a lot of money. Cease doesn't have that. You actually get two years of arbitration, too, So that would be great if you were able to get a hold of him, but I think you'd have to ship off a lot to bring him in. So it's interesting between the two of them. Right? I mean, with Verlander, it's about eating the salary. With Cease, it's probably about giving up a lot of good prospects. But we'll see if either one comes to fruition, but as of right now, um, it's still very quiet on the Cubs front. I would be shocked if they didn't kick the tires. I mean, I was talking about this last night at uh, golf, but it's usually not a trade deadline without the Pittsburgh Pirates doing something different. 
Bednar's a right-hander, but a heck of a right-hander, a great closer. I wouldn't be surprised if they kicked the tires, but a divisional team, I think it's way too much for a guy that doesn't really solve a whole lot of your problems. I mean, it's a great closer. But it's not like you'd save an extra lefty or something like that for your bullpen. Plus, I think it would take a lot to get him. I, I don't think they pony up for that. I don't think there's really anybody. I mean, it was going to be this pitcher's market, but a lot of them got moved quickly. And then a couple got taken off the chopping block because teams thought maybe they could make some runs. And here we are, but I, nothing, nothing new here to report as of right now. The Cubs remain quiet. But if something changes and something breaks here, we'll uh, we'll make sure to let you know. We're watching, and we'll pass along. Don't expect the White Sox to be buyers, but yeah, maybe Dylan Cease gets moved. You know, maybe some of those bottom of the order guys gets moved. Nothing yet. Nothing yet. Yeah, as of right now, and we talked about it yesterday, the improbability. Everybody was running wild with these, you know, rumors that it was going to be a big day in college football realignment. And it may come, look, this may be a domino that falls today with Arizona that changes things. But the fact that all everything else is going to get set into motion and declared today, I think, was was dumb to assume. It's something that I talked about yesterday. Well, certainly, you know, things can happen, but I mean, we tried to look at how the stars were aligned yesterday, and, and none of those internet rumors seemed to make any sense. You know, we do go back to. Keep on hearing Oregon and Washington, right? Oregon and Washington in the Big Ten. That still makes the most sense. It gives the Big Ten two more teams to put out there on the West Coast. Makes it a little bit easier for some scheduling. And on top of that, you would have four markets on the West Coast that let you play those you know, 10 p.m. games. And if you're the Big Ten, you're the only conference here that every week can have games at noon all the way starting at 10 p.m. The sun would never set on the Big Ten empire, so to speak. So there's people that still dismiss that you don't want more West Coast team. I, I disagree with that. Now... I would have no problem uh, if it wasn't one of those two if you brought in Stanford. I think Cal is fourth best. I think you'd rather have Stanford over Cal and you're, how far apart are those schools? But that would give you a nice, strong West Coast showing as well. But as we discussed yesterday, does the Big Ten really need to do anything right now? Big Ten can kind of work at its own pace, can it? I mean, that's where I stood. They've got the contract. 
If they ask any of those schools to come, they'll, they'll come. No problem. Way more money, they'll do it. Those teams do have to think about survival in the meantime, though. Until they sign some kind of you know grant of rights to where they can't get out of, that's the only time you start worrying if you're the Big Ten, if you worry, as the Big Ten. I still continue to hear UNC is somebody that's on the list, although I just it feels weird to have them all the way out there. Doesn't feel like that's much of the footprint. Then again, how much is Washington and Oregon? If I'm the Big 12, though, you know, you're, you're going to be bringing in Colorado. You're bringing in Arizona. My question is, do they become the first really, I don't even know, what, what are we going to, what are we going to call it? Super conference? You want to call it a super conference? Remember, we left them for dead not too long ago. Remember, Oklahoma was leaving, Texas was leaving, they're donezo. But, you know, with the addition of these two that bumps them back up to 14, still keeps them a player. The question now is going to be, does the Big 12 want to make a play for any more of those uh, Pac-12, 10, 9, whatever is technically left teams? And if the Big Ten kind of sits on its laurels, they would lose their choice of those teams. And then you're all in on Notre Dame. Good luck. And then you'd have to wait for the ACC to wiggle free and get some of those teams loose and see if you can't grab one or two uh, out of the ACC. Because there's nothing else in the Pac-12 that you want. Like I said, if Oregon and Washington were to go and join the, the Big 12, I'm not saying they're going to. But if they decide, hey, we're going to get out of there. And the only thing that's really left that's attractive to you is Stanford. Maybe Cal. All right, Arizona, Arizona State. We've talked about that. While some of the size of those schools is great, they don't meet the academic standards. You don't care about Washington State. Utah's probably, you know, that's not doing anything for you. You know, you go over the ACC, and if somebody, if they're going to wiggle out, they're going to start to wiggle out of those deals, maybe you can catch somebody. Maybe you can get your UNC. But there's not much in there that excites you. Like, you're not, Boston College isn't, no, that's not happening. I don't really think you care about Duke, especially if you want Florida, if you want UNC, you know, Florida State, Georgia Tech, no, no, Louisville, eh. definitely not NC State, maybe Pitt, Syracuse, Virginia, Virginia Tech, Wake Forest, no, 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 no.
So while I think the Big Ten can take its time and do what it wants to do, I would caution you, the Pac-12 thought they were going to be able to do that too. And they thought they weren't. They were untouchable. Now, there's some differences here. Obviously, the, the, the Big Ten is set up better. The TV deal is set up much better for them. Pac-12 tried to do everything on their own. That TV network's a, you know, a disaster. Nobody carries it. It's not backed by like a Fox or ESPN or anything like that. You know, they try to go it alone. They got complacent. They sat back. They waited. They still can't get this TV deal that they want for $30 million a school. And they're not going to get it. You can get who you want. But I think if you kind of relax and you send the message that you're not in any rush, that the Big 12 may say, hey, a bird in the hand. Or you can wait, watch this thing collapse, maybe lose some money, and then just wait for the Big Ten to come calling eventually. That's my fear with that. Whether or not that happens, we'll see. But again, Arizona today expected to say they'll join. If they get the Board of Regents thing squared away, they'll join the Big 12. And I don't think that's going to be the last Pac-12 school that wants to make that jump either. This may be... This may be the last blow for the Pac-12 today. We'll see what happens. We're going to take our final break here. We'll come back. Things we missed and more when we return. It's the Hammer Down Show. Well, as we uh, approach two hours left of the MLB trade deadline, it's, uh, it, it's all quiet. We got nothing. But again, we told you that uh, the... Cubs were zeroing in on a, a left-handed relief pitcher from the Mets. Nothing has been completed in that regards. Verlander, the big prize of the day, is heading to Houston. The Dodgers might be interested in Dylan C's. ESPN says they're still in on Eduardo Rodriguez. If Dylan Cease and Mitch Keller are not moved, Rodriguez might be their last and best option. So it sounds like the Dodgers are in a really good space. Maybe the Twins move one of their starting pitchers at the last moment as well. Michael Lorenzen just went from Detroit uh, to the Phillies. The guys are being moved. I'd be surprised if the Dodgers wanted Mitch Keller. I know he's having a little bit of a renaissance year this year. And he started out really great. He's had some really bad outings. Like, when he's good, there's no in-between for that guy. When he's good, he's really good. But boy, this has not been a great month for him. He gave up six in the games. He gave up eight to Cleveland. I don't know. We'll see. Trade deadline's crazy, man. Uh, Time for a few things that uh, we may have missed. 
Arch Manning's first trading card sold for $103,000, the highest price paid in Panini's uh, website history. I got some NFTs maybe that you might want to... I don't actually have NFTs, but you see what I'm saying here is... uh, uh, the record price paid uh, before that, Peyton Manning's card, was $71,988. So blew that out of the water. Yes, I always think these things are interesting, and they're better than NFTs, but at the same time, this is a kid's never thrown a pass at the collegiate level, and you're throwing down $103 thinking he's going to be one of the greatest that's ever. Then again, if you've got that kind of money, this is worth the gamble for you, isn't it? And Nickelodeon will have its first ever Super Bowl alternate telecast. They're going to bring the Slime Bowl to the Super Bowl this year. Wow. I'm a little bit shocked by this because it's such a prestigious thing. But at the same time, I've seen these numbers. They said the kids are just not getting into the NFL like they used to. So I guess this is one way to hook them in, right? SpongeBob and the upright slime in the end zones. They like this stuff still. Well, it didn't make that much of a difference to me when I was a kid. But then again, kids are different now. But yeah, you'll be able to watch an alternate telecast of the Super Bowl in slime time. Have fun with that. That's going to do it for the show here today. Hang tight. We're going to be back tomorrow at 3 o'clock. We'll have plenty of local sports to talk to you about. That's back here tomorrow on the Hammer Down Show, 1017 The Hammer and 1017 The Hammer.